Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the word of God. Amen. I want to minister a subject this morning. I really feel to minister to the entire church as we always try to do, but I have just felt in... um, to be appropriate with the occasion this uh, Labor Day weekend to preach about the works of God. And I want to read to you as you remain seated in the book of Philippians, chapter 1, beginning at verse number 3. The word says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine making request for you with all joy. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident in this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness, how greatly I long for you, all with the affection of Jesus Christ. In this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and in all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense until the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God." Can you say amen to the word? Amen. I want to speak the subject this morning. God will complete the work that he began in you. God will complete the work that he began in you. Amen. God has never quit on anybody. God is not a quitter. He's not one of those type. You know the type that will show up, put a few nails in the boards and say, all right, it's time for lunch and leave and never come back. He's not the type to just show up and loaf around and just want the check. But no, he has never quit on anybody. He's got a picture in mind what he wants you to be. And he hung on that cross with you in mind. And not anybody in this church or in this world, God does not view anybody as a piece of work. But rather a work of art. A work for his good pleasure a work for his masterpiece. You know what ultimately he wants to do? He wants to take somebody from the lowest of the low and transform their mind and their heart, their body, their soul, and strength and make them into a blood-washed, a sanctified, a justified saint of the living God that's going to live with him forever in all eternity. God has never quit on you. He has never given up on you. But amen, if you'll still be teachable and moldable, amen, he will change and fashion your life. Oh, can you praise the Lord for it for a while? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. God made creation in six days, and it said that he rested. You know, some might like to think that God just worked one week and wanted to kick back and not want to have anything to do with us and just let us have at it in the earth. 
And it might have felt like that and seemed like that in all of the beginning. God craved creation, all of the power to reproduce, all of the power to replenish, all the power to grow. But Satan came down, manifested as a serpent, up there in that tree and began to do his work on mankind. His work was to ultimately convince mankind that God doesn't work. That God, his work won't work out for you. That his word isn't what it says it would be. And through lies and deceit and deception, Satan at the very beginning, and is doing it here to this day, his own works, and that is simply to lie about what God said. Satan has never made anything in his life. He has never created anything in his life. Everything that he tries to do is ultimately a counterfeit. And I think he had a little bit of glimpse in mind of what God ultimately wanted to do. His greatest work on Calvary, on the cross there. That's why Satan appeared in a tree to Adam and Eve. He was trying to look like what God would do one day. But I've got news for the devil. God destroyed your works on that tree. He destroyed every plan that you had, everything that you wanted to do because he gave all for the sins of the world so that you and I, amen, could become God's masterpiece. You and I could become his workmanship. You and I could become the greatest project that God has ever done. Don't let the devil tell you that his works are greater than God's in your life. Oh, my friend, God's works have crushed the very head of Satan himself. I'm telling you, if you'll let God work on your life, amen, it's only a matter of time before you start running devils out of town, before you start running the sin out of your life, and you just start becoming a true, amen, child of the living God. Praise the Lord. Jesus told a parable about himself. He said there was a farmer who had this tree in his garden. And he came by to one of his workers, one of the vine dressers. And he said, three years I've been waiting on this tree to bear fruit. And we've got nothing. Just a scraggly little thing. Why don't we dig it up and get a new tree in here? And the vine dresser says, oh no, my Lord. Let me try and work on it a little bit more. Let me fertilize it. Give me one more year. One more season for this tree to bear fruit. And it's a parable. The Lord is pulling a little bit from the Old Testament to show us exactly who he is. See, in the Old Testament, anytime Israel would plant a tree, plant a uh, fake bush or something on the platform of the church, (laughs) the law said that you could not touch a tree for three years. It was to bloom and grow all on its own. But in the fourth year, it would begin to bear fruit. And it was something. I've read rabbinical history. That's the way it was in Israel. Those trees would grow up for three years having no fruit. But in the fourth year, apples would come, figs would come, grapes would come. All of these things would come. But the law of Moses said they could not touch it until the fifth year. That fourth year, the first fruits always belonged to God. And what Jesus is saying there is just like a tree or a plant planted in the field or something, it may seem like there is no fruit right there, but don't cut it down because I'm still doing my work around it. And you may feel like you are not bearing much fruit in your early years and your walk with God. You may feel like you have disappointed the Lord. I talk to people like this all the time. They think because they make a small mistake on a Tuesday or Wednesday, they're not worthy enough to come into the house of God. 
Let me tell you this. If you have been planted by God in the waters of baptism, being filled with the Holy Ghost, he's still working on you. He's never given up on you. He's never given up on you. I read a meme this week on social media. I think Brother Brandon posted it. Amen. It said, never, ever discourage somebody's progress, no matter how slow it is. And that is how God views everyone in this room. Some of us go a little bit quicker. Some of us go a little bit slower. But you can be sure it's the same Jesus that is working on all of us, the same God that is trying to improve us, the same God, amen, who is trying to make us a better version of ourselves. Praise the Lord. He is looking for fruit. He is looking for it, and guess what? He's not going to just let you do it all on your own, but like a gardener, he's digging around in the soil. He's putting, amen, fertilizer there. He's watering it. That's why you remain faithful in the house of God, for it is here that the Lord will grow you. It is here that the Lord will give you strength. It is here that the Lord will sustain you. Hallelujah. Praise God. There's been... A lot of things in my life that have happened that have stuck with me, that I've heard people say to me. And I'll never forget, not too long ago, a man, I was out there at the front doors as people were coming in, and I saw him walk slowly up to the door and kind of looked at the door very suspicious and very skeptical. I said, welcome to the live church, I'm Justin Gleason. And he walked up and looked at the door, and I said, church is open, come right on in. And he looked at me, introduced himself, and he said, you have no idea what it's taken for me to even park my car in this parking lot. And I said, what do you mean? He said, I've been backslidden for many years, and I've done horrible things, and I've wanted to come back to God so much, but I feel like if I step foot into the church, the roof is going to collapse on me. I feel like if I step into this church, the ground is going to open up and swallow me. I feel like if I step into this church, lightning is going to strike me. I feel like I might die if I come into this church by the judgments of God. And i I got to be honest with you, I almost laughed at that because of how silly that was. But I realized this man was in his right mind and he was being totally serious. He felt like the things that he had done the judgment of God would fall upon him. Now understand this. You read your Bible, God does judge. Within the first six chapters of the Bible, God flooded and destroyed the entire earth. I mean, it's there, right? But ever since the cross, the wrath and the judgment of God has been stayed. And grace and mercy and truth is what is here right now for every man and woman to walk into. And the spirit of grace and mercy came upon me in that moment. And the word of knowledge and the gifts of the spirit began to minister at that moment. And I'll tell you what I said to him. I pointed down the hall and I said, you see that guy right there on our staff? That man used to be one of the biggest drug dealers here in Kansas City. But he's no longer dealing drugs. Amen. He's a prayer warrior in this church. I then looked and I said, that woman right there, she is a muchly married woman. But now she is loyal. She is faithful. Got a great family and doing great. I said, you see that guy right there? Uh, He almost wanted to end his life, but he found purpose in life through Jesus. 
I said, you see that lady over there? She used to be this and this and this before I knew it. Just about everybody in the narthex had come from a lot of sins. I'm like, my God. <laughs> and, and I looked up as tears were coming down that man's eyes. I said, the roof has never fallen on that guy. And the earth has never opened up for her. And lightning has never struck for him. And if it hasn't happened for them, you are safe here in the house of God. <laughs> Praise God. And I watched that man for the first time in over 20 years take a step into the church. And when he did, he took a deep breath and he sighed. He said, thank you, Jesus, for forgiveness. Thank you, Lord, for grace. And I brought him down, amen, to the seats. And I looked over during worship service. He had his hands raised. He was talking in tugs as God renewed him, as God refilled him. It's a testimony that the work of God never stops. Once he begins it, praise the Lord. And the Bible says where we read that the good work that God began, he is going to perform it until the day of Christ. He's going to perform it until the day of Christ. You know, when we think about Bible prophecy, the end of days, my mind usually goes to the mark of the beast. You know, my mind goes to the uh, scarlet-colored beast, and my mind goes to the great judgment and the four horsemen of the apocalypse and all of those things. And your mind should go to those things. That's what the day of the Lord is all about. When Satan thinks he's at his day and his time, Jesus Christ comes down there in one day with just one angel in a chain and binds him up and kicks him right there in the hell. And that is going to be the longest day of the devil's life. Let me tell you what, praise the Lord. And I've asked God, Lord, let me be right there with that devil and just or, and let me give a little kick <laughs> him right there in the pit. I don't know if that prayer is going to be answered, but it'd be great, praise the Lord. But yeah, the day of the Lord is a day of wrath. It is a day of judgment. It is a day when the Lord purges the earth and sets up his kingdom on the earth. But the Bible says there's another aspect to the day of the Lord that no saint should ever forget. And it's not the destruction of Satan. It is not the destruction of the false prophet. It is not the destruction of the beast and all of the kingdoms of this world. Oh, no, it is the work of God in all of our personal lives. I don't really think God is going to get a thrill out of kicking, uh, kicking the devil into that pit. I don't think he's going to get a thrill after burning Babylon. He's got to do it because that's just a part of the job. But I think the greatest thrill and the greatest excitement about the day of the Lord is when he looks at his perfected church. All of the work that he has done since Calvary. All of the things he has done. All of the battles he had to fight for you. All of the miracles he has done. All of the things that he had to do, amen, to get you to that place. That is his greatest joy to see his completed work. Hallelujah. And that day is coming soon. It is coming very soon. Look at the signs all around us. It's only a matter of time. Amen. Before amen, we take a step and we catch and meet the Lord in the air. And we're in heaven for all eternity with him. Can you praise the Lord for it? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. God does not view you as a piece of work but a work that he loves to work on. Maybe some of you, you have a project that you've been working on for years. Maybe you're restoring an old car or putting together one of those big train sets or you've been working on your kitchen and decorating or remodeling your bathroom or your house or something like that. You know how it is. 
You take it slow so it's all done perfect and all done right. That's how God views us, a work. So never for one minute think that you're finished and that you are complete. It's one of the differences between the apostolic doctrine and much of the doctrine out there. We believe that salvation is a journey. It has a beginning, but it also has a process. You've talked to him. I've talked to a lot of people. They say, oh, I gave my life to the Lord. And I'm thinking, no, you gave him 20 seconds and nothing ever changed. (laughs) If you're going to give your life to the Lord, your life that you live has to belong to the Lord. I've heard them say it. I said that one prayer, and I'm still saved. And I'm looking at them, not trying to judge, but I'm discerning their life. And I've realized there has been no change of the work of life or work of Christ in your life at all. My friends, understand this. Salvation is not free. It will cost you everything. You've got to know how to take up your cross and follow him and take it to where he took it. You lay down your life for him. And in doing that, That is where the work of God takes place. You have a beginning and you have an ending and you have a middle. And that's where a lot of us are at right now. We're in the middle of our journey. And God has promised us what he began inside of you. That first time you repented, that first time you believed, your baptism You're in filling of the Holy Ghost when you stepped away from this world and begin to follow Jesus Christ. There is a middle in your life that the Lord wants to remind us God is not done working on you. Some of the earliest memories of my life was my dad laying his hand upon me saying, Lord, keep your hand upon Justin. God, guide him. Lord, prepare a way for him. But the prayer kind of changed. It was always there, and it's still there. But I remember as a teenager, he and my mother and other saints in this church always prayed, Lord, do a work in him. It changed from leading to actually doing a work. You know, you can be led by the Lord and not much change. You can go to where God says go, and you need to do that, and you got to have that, otherwise you get lost. But the greatest and deepest thing that God can do inside of somebody is work on you, repairing you, fixing things in you, maintaining things in you, keeping it all clean on the inside. That is the greatest work of God is to have him maintain you on a day-to-day basis, praise the Lord. It says that Jesus grew up as a carpenter. It's probably what he did as a child. He was the son of his stepfather, Joseph the carpenter. He knew how to cut wood. He knew how to lay stone. That's what most carpentry was back then. It was stone there in the land of Israel. He knew how to put together a house. Knew how to dig out rocks in a quarry and build and make things. He's always been accustomed to work. But his greatest act of work has always been our lives, our walk with him. Matter of fact, you read in your Bible, his parents were walking away, having just celebrated one of the feasts of Israel. And they looked around after three days and they said, where's Jesus? Where's our son? He's 12 years old. Where is he? 
And they had to journey from all the way to their home in Galilee all the way down to Jerusalem. And they don't find him swimming in the river with some of his friends. They don't find him playing games. They don't find him here. There. You know where they find him? In the house of the Lord, in the temple, sitting there talking with the most brilliant minds of that day and time. And the Bible says they were astounded at his understanding. And his mother grabbed him by the hands and said, Jesus, we thought you were lost. Where have you been? And he said, Mother, don't you know that I must be about my father's business? Even from the age of 12, Jesus has been about business. It's been about work for him. It's been about seeking and saving anybody who was lost and anybody that he could find. God just simply wants to do a work inside of you. It's his business to better you, to grow you, to challenge you, to weed out the things that don't belong and to put inside of you a new man and to become a new creature. Can you say amen? The passage we read, it talks about three things. There are many things, but three major things of focus that if you're going to have God work on your life that you must do. Number one, the Bible says in verse number nine, Philippians 1 verse 9, love knowledge and discernment that you may approve that which is excellent. Let the love of God abound in you that your knowledge and your discernment may grow so that you can approve that which is excellent. How do you know when God is doing a work in you? I think it comes down to three things. When you begin to feel conviction about your ways, when you desire more and more to be like Christ, and when eternity in heaven become your focus. That is a good sign, all of those things, how you know God is working inside of you. But even deeper than that, when you begin to know things and discern things that are only good and excellent, meaning things that God is pleased with. This happens to a lot of people. You know, you've heard Bishop talk about it through the years. We have a lot of conviction preaching around here, but we just kind of believe that a lot of times we just simply let God do the work. And it's so amazing. I see it happen in our newer disciples. We didn't tell them to stop, but they just kind of stopped. We didn't tell them to quit doing this or quit doing that. They just stopped. Why? Because the Holy Ghost began to move upon them. And the Holy Ghost began to instruct, and all of a sudden you realize, I can't dress the way I used to, and I can't talk the way I used to, and I can't do what I used to. And us having never said anything, God has his way of opening our knowledge and our discernment at what is right and what is wrong. Understand this, this church is a judgment-free zone. You know, they've got a, a workout place, and they, they said, we don't want any burly, strong people coming in there yelling and throwing weights because we don't want the beginners to feel bad about themselves, okay, right? And, uh, yeah, all of you apostolics, you need to t- tone down. Don't let the, the people feel bad. Snow grunting and yelling. What am I talking about? If God's been good to you, yell as loud as you want in this house. Praise God. But, <laughs> hallelujah. This is a judgment-free zone. Meaning you work at your own pace and your walk with God. And it's always between you and Jesus. But this will never be a warning-free zone. Because if you're going to make it, 
And if God is going to work on you, we have got to have discernment in this day and this time. We've got to have it. And Satan has created a big lie out there. And it's infiltrated a lot of schools and a lot of places of business in our culture. And it's the same. Don't judge. Be sensitive. Be accepting. Now understand this. I don't force anything that I am upon anybody else. Just like I don't want them to force any of what they are upon me. I live the way I want. You live the way you want. This is America. And we all get along in peace and understand this. But don't let that get into your mind when it comes to what God is doing inside of you. Don't let the world erase your natural sense of surveilling sin in this world. There's going to be things that you're going to hear and you're going to see and you're going to think, that just doesn't feel right. Don't worry about what anybody thinks. Turn it off. Cancel it. Move. Do whatever you have got to do because God wants to do a work inside of you and his greatest work is greater than anything that this world has to offer. Praise the Lord. Have discernment in these days. That is how the work of God is going to be complete in your life. It's said in verse number 10, be sincere without offense until the day of Christ. Be sincere without offense until the day of Christ. And we've heard a lot about offense in this season and time. And it's always been around. Jesus even talked about it. What did he say? He said, offenses must come, but woe be unto them by whom they come. Meaning offenses are going to happen. It's a part of the human nature. And I believe unless they repent, offenders are going to be judged for all eternity. But would even be a greater tragedy, a horrible thing, if those who were offended spent all eternity in judgment with them. Because you never repented of your offense. And you never got the offense out of your spirit. Offense is a permanent open door for the works of the devil. It is a permanent open gate for the darkness of this world to come in and like a playground play inside of your soul. Because what will happen is the person that offended you, the bitterness that you have, the hate that you have, you will take that same hurt and bitterness into the church and feel like everybody is against you. You'll have that to whoever's in the pulpit. And even darker, it'll become the same offense with God. And God is saying, oh no, snap back to reality. Get back, amen, to a sound mind and forgive that person that offended you so you don't carry that offense to everybody else who's trying to do good and trying to do something special for you, even God himself. Amen. Can you clap your hands to the Lord? Oh, may the Lord heal your heart today. May the Lord heal your heart today. I tell you what, I, I'm, I'm, I, I don't know where I heard it or where I read it. It's not original with me. But I saw or heard somebody say, the greatest revenge is successful living. The greatest revenge, I heard somebody say, oh yeah, that's the truth. The greatest revenge you're ever going to have is to live a meaningful life. 
And we don't take vengeance upon anybody. Let God have that. And let me tell you, his vengeance is greater than anything you could ever do. (laughs) You want your enemies to pay, put it in the hands of the Lord. Amen. You go on and live. And let God work inside of you and let him do something powerful and something special inside of you. But if the offenses come, it is okay to be offended at offenses. Let me tell you, it is not okay to ever be offended at the truth. Do not ever be afraid when God gets all up into your business and say, "Uh uh-uh, don't have your own way, but follow my way. Never be offended at what is true. Never be offended at what is righteous. But do not be afraid to let God have his way with you and work with you. Amen. That's what we did in the beginning of our walk with God and our repentance. It was up to us to say, I was wrong and God was right. I failed and God succeeded. I fell short and God was right there all along. Never, ever believe that you are complete and never believe that you're too good enough to have God work on you. But we are all fallen and we are all fallen. And if it's not for the daily work with God, amen, in this middle journey of our life, we are not going to make it. Praise God. Amen. If the musicians would please come. In verse 11, the third thing, be filled with the fruits of righteousness. What grows in you, what grows on the outside of you, what is seen and displayed by this world, it needs to be righteous. Become the person that everyone around you can say they do the right thing. They do it as Jesus would have done it. They do it as God has commanded us. And you do those things, you will fulfill the fruits of righteousness. Have great knowledge and discernment that you may know what is excellent. Be sincere without offense until the day of the Lord. And be filled with the fruits of righteousness. You do these things and God will do a powerful work inside of you. Amen. We're about to have the altar call, but I want to right now, if God is pulling on your heart, could you just slip up a hand unto the Lord? And say, God, I'm ready for you to do a very powerful work inside of me this Labor Day weekend. But I'm ready for you to do your work in me. I'm ready, Lord. I'm ready, Lord. Praise God. Thank the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, church, for preparing your heart. Praise God. That's what a work looks like right there. (laughs) Amen. If you want to pray, you want to pray. But I feel to minister another story right now to somebody. I talked to a man several months ago, a man that I've known a long time. And I knew he had battles, but I didn't know how deep they were. And he told me, Justin, you may not know this about me, but I battled addiction for 30 years. He said, I could never understand it, why I had such an obsession with substances. He said, I tried everything to get off of it. He said, I went to this, I went to that, and it would help a little bit, but I never knew why I could never get off of it until he said one night in October in the year 2006. He said, I was there in my car on a real bender. And he said, a man knocked on my window and looked in the window. He said, I saw this man's face, and this man said, your life is in danger. You need to leave right now. And he said, right before my very eyes, I sobered up immediately, and the man disappeared. 
He said, I got out of my car and looked around and realized I was in the most dangerous place of my city. And I was in a place from stopping transactions. And if I didn't get out of there, I knew my life would have been over right then and there. He said, I drove to a quiet place. And he said, God, in about an hour's time, revealed to me everything that I need to do. He said, I walked back into church. I repented of my sins. I did everything that God told me to do. And he said, I've been uh, clean and sober since October 2006. Praise God. Go to counseling. Go to everything you can. But the greatest source of strength that you have is the work of Almighty God. And I don't know where you're at here today. It's between you and God. But I just would like to believe some of us have big things that are going on. Some of us just have little things going on. Understand this. God just wants to do a work. I invite you to stand with me right now. Amen. God's already doing a powerful thing up here. And if you just want God to work some things out in your life, amen, I invite you to come to this altar right now. I invite you to come right now and just say, Lord, I just need you to work on me. There's things about me that I don't like. There's things about me that I really would prefer not be there, Lord, and I can't do it all on my own. But with your helping hand, Lord, and your power, amen, you can change me. You can do a work inside of me. Amen. You can do things inside of me that nobody else can. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You are God's workmanship. Amen. The carpenter is here. He's come to build you up. The shepherd is here, amen, to work on the sheep. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. May the Lord work on you today. May the Lord, amen, put joy back inside of you. May the Lord, amen, renew you. May the Lord repair you. May the Lord restore to you a sense of joy and happiness. Hallelujah. Your life will never be perfect, but God wants to help you make that curve. Hallelujah. You're not a piece of work. Oh, no, you're a work of art in the eyes of God. Hallelujah. The lies of Satan are over, and the truth of Jesus prevails here this day. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. I pray for a mighty sweeping work of the Holy Ghost right now to fall upon us here at TLC right now. Let the life of Christ, amen, be born inside of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to this message. For more content, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at The Life Church KC. Reference the episode notes for more details.